0: the spirit of the Lord as his eye upon you in this congregation this day. The Lord would declare to you that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he'll make a path for you that will be a path of blessing and a path of honor. Yea, follow him closely, listen to his words, seek his spirit, and you shall find Blessing. You shall find strength. You shall find growth. You shall find security. Yes, yeah, take my children this day. The Lord knows where you are. He knows you are His. And this day He is with you, saith God. Let's praise, Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Let's praise
1: Him.
0: Oh, God, we bless you. We praise you, Lord, today. Your spirit is here to assure us, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks, worship team, for the ministry today. It's a blessing to us. We appreciate it. Tell me, uh, Karina. You said that your former pastor wrote that song and you guys sang yeah. one of those. What's who who Alan is it? Alan Bates, and he wrote which song was it? Uh, my Life
2: is in You Lord.
0: My life is in You Lord. Right. From yep. Texas? Yep. How about that? Praise God. Small world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Amen. Now, I want you to know that uh, this expediency offering represents represents the Lord well. Chad, you dropped a line in. I know Linda had some others and others had something to put in. I just want you to know, I don't know if you know in the scope or the scheme of things, kind of where this church ranks in you know, these kind of things right here. When Linda and I were the directors of Church Growth and Education uh, before we went to Bolivar First and we got our, our portfolio included BGMC, We saw the BGMC giving go to number one in the nation of all of the 56 districts of the Assemblies of God. We gave over $300,000 in our district that year to BGMC. But let me tell you this. I know it was true then, and I'm assuming it's probably true today. By giving over $1,000 a year from this church, and, and compare the size of what this church is right now to many churches in our in our district and some churches many of them well over a hundred to two hundred to three hundred to a thousand or more uh but you fall you would rank within the top 25 percent of all of the churches in the district you give to PGMC. glory praise god i think you would give yourselves a hand praise the lord praise the lord and you say well does that really matter I don't know matters to God, I think. It matters to God that the excellence that we do in what we do for the Lord matters, doesn't it? Amen. And so praise God for that. Well, I have esteemed <coughs> honor this morning to make an announcement that the Southern Missouri District of the Southern Missouri Network I'm getting used to saying and the Joplin area have asked me to make I know that you all... And others have been praying for God's will going forward in the election of a pastor for full life fellowship here in Purdy. And after meeting with them and hearing their heart for this body, our leaders have appointed Wilson and Judy Gaunt to be your pastors going forward. Mm -hmm. Goodbye, retirement. Goodbye, retirement. Yes, we. We've said goodbye to that time or two ourselves. I mean? Here's what I want you to know. And we, we realize this. I realize this by coming and observing what I've seen go on. Uh, also, the, the leaders of the, at the area level and the district have also observed this and know this. It's a truth that this church, in all likelihood, would not be here today had it not been for the passion and commitment my brother and sister God to help revive this work a few years ago, and I may be wrong in I'm saying. He's going to come up here in a minute, and I don't know if both of them are coming. Just he's coming to, to respond to this. But I'll go out on limb and say this: I think God is doing a reviving work in them as well. At the same time that He has allowed them to do a reviving work here in the church. And so I believe that they still have that same passion and commitment today that they had when God first called them to come here and do this. So would you join me in welcoming your new pastors, Wilson and Judy Goddard today? God bless you guys. We welcome you
1: Well, you can be seated. I don't let you do that that often. I am. I was trying to think of something witty to say. (laughs) I covet God's presence and anointing. What we felt here today, that's my prayer for this church. That's my desire. Is to have God's anointing. God's presence. If, if you build it on Wilson, uh, yeah, that's not going to be a very big thing. But built on the Lord, built on the Holy Spirit, built on the Father, there is no limit to what God can do. And what God does, want.
2: We just haven't seen it all manifest yet. Amen. That's right. There's an old saying, old preachers never retire. They just go out to pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Now we actually thought we had already done that, but uh, it didn't work out that way. Gotcha. How many times did you? Again, I, I think I believe it now. The third time is the old saying goes is a charm, but I, I believe it. But I am looking forward. The Lord keeps dropping my spirit. We've only just begun. Come on, and uh, Wilson. When all this happened with him, you know, I don't know about you. Have you ever had a problem with your health? It can scare you, and that's a trick of the devil. But it scared both of us. So we thought, okay, I think it's time that we retire quit but God had another plan. And I am so thankful for all of you that are here today. And I'm gonna ask you we've got some prayer cards, not prayer cards, church cards. I believe they're back on that table or that one. And you will get some of these. And we was in a uh, back, a restaurant, it's been three or four weeks ago, and this young man and his family he said I've been sitting here listening to you talk. Peter remembers this. And he said, uh, where do you go to church? Where's your church? We didn't have these with us. So I wrote it on a napkin, I think. But he hasn't come through the doors yet. But I believe believing he's going to. But that's the way a church grows. When you brag about your church. I have a wonderful church. Would you like, do you go to church? No. I'm backslid. I used to go when I was younger. I used to go, would you like to come with me? I'll come pick you up if I need to. Oh no, just give me the address. It's on here. So God can grow this church when we speak good of our church. And we say the Lord is moving. We've had healings and we have. We've had deliverances and we have. We have had this, we've had this, God yeah. has helped me through this. When you give your story, it draws other people. Amen. When we're next, it pushes them away. So we need to draw people to God and invite them to church.
1: Amen. And I'll say one final thing. If you leave one of these in a restaurant with a tip, don't leave a dollar. Make it a good tip. or they'll throw this away. <laughs> All right. God bless y'all. Brother Gary, we love you. Appreciate you, sir.
0: Thank you. Give one more good hand if you will. Now, I want to let you know that there have been a couple of recognitions on the part of leadership. Uh in regard to this church. Number one is this. We know that the you're going to have the backing of the Southern Missouri District Network. You're going to have the backing of the Joplin section of the Assemblies of God, the Joplin area. I'm, I'm interchanging words because they're trying to get us uh, over to newfangled language. But I'm, you know, old old dogs have a hard time learning new tricks. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, uh Just know that. Just know that you've got the backing of of the the assemblies of God for this community. We're believing God to do great things. The other thing we recognize is this. God is touching Brother Wilson's health. God is touching Judy. God is ministering strength to them. But there are good helpers within this congregation. They're going to be relying on good helpers in whatever way, capacity they they deem uh, they want to set it up to do that. They're going to rely on you to make this a a work um, that together we build for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Now I don't know if I can say this or not. Uh, it, is, are, are we going to continue with the same plans that we talked about? And that is us coming back in a couple of weeks, he yes. said. All right. So we are we are going to be turning this pulpit over as of next week to Brother Wilson, and he'll be ministering the next couple of Sundays. One of the things we discussed, though, in talking about this was that we, uh, uh, they, would, they wanted us to be able to come back. And so on the 29th, I believe, of January, we're going to, to return for a final goodbye and farewell and say thanks for you guys pouring into our lives and us having the chance to pour into yours. And so they'll tell you more about that. But, but this isn't the last time you're going to see us today. Amen. We'll here in about three weeks as well. Just before we go to Florida for a little while, so yeah. Uh, a wonderful, a wonderful trip. Yeah, don't be jealous. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, go to the
2: word Go to Word of Life yes.
0: <laughs> right. Look at the message title this morning. The message title is God's Nobody's. God's nobodies. If you would, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to begin with verse 22, if I can. Do you have that back there, Sister Frida, for me? To be able to put up? Alright, just go ahead and put that up if you will. And let's look at it in the New King James. And then I want to read something else, another version of it to you as well. Paul says, though, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Go ahead to the next one. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Okay? Now, I thought you might benefit from me reading from the Living Bible. Because the Living Bible, although it's not a translation of the word, it is a paraphrase of the word. And it it kind of puts it into language, I think, that that even be a little bit more understandable to us than what Paul was trying to get across to the Corinthians here. Here's what he says. And some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. Yes, we are especially glad to have some parts that seem rather odd. Can you get an amen for that? Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that might hit somebody or at least you might think of somebody when I said it. And we carefully protect from the eyes of others those parts that should not be seen. While of course the parts that uh, that may be seen do not require this special care. Now listen to this. So God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and extra care Now think about those words. Extra honor and extra care are given to those parts that might otherwise seem less important. Let me ask you a question. Who are you in this world? Who are you in this world? I'll even go further. Who are you in God? Do you consider yourself, in the scheme of things, either in this world system or even in the uh, kingdom of God, do you consider yourself a somebody or a nobody? Now that may seem like a strange question, but it's not really. (coughs) Because many people in this life consider themselves just that. Now it's not that they're, they're not important to themselves, I think every one of us are guilty of our making ourselves important to ourselves. We consider ourselves to be important to our families, or, uh, to our job, to this, to that, to the other. We're pretty devoted fans of ourselves, and we'll get right down to it. Amen. And that's natural. It's been said that a mighty poor trumpet player is one who can't do his own horn. And so, yeah, we're fans of ourselves. But in the wider scope of things and in the bigger picture, these people many times feel that they don't carry much weight. They really aren't that important to the ebb and flow of this world. And if somehow they moved off the scene, everything would just keep going on as natural in this world and in this universe. You said, Brother Gary, how do you know that? How do you know that that even filters through the church? I'll tell you how. Listen to this. Have you ever heard statements like this? Well, that's my opinion, but who cares what I think? Mm -hmm. Or I'm only one vote. I can't really make a difference. How about this one? If I died tomorrow, the world would just go right on spinning. I'm not that important. And what about this one for the church today? If I'm not there today, they really won't miss me very much. And consequently, throughout society, there are those who consider themselves somewhat nobodies. Nobodies at work, nobodies at school, and sometimes they even consider themselves, and and, and of course it can vary in the size of the church and the amount of people you have, but sometimes... Even at church, they consider themselves just to kind of not be very important. Now, Brother Wilson, I've learned that not everybody's like that. Do you know uh, what's really an eye opener and a shocker? It's when we somehow get the delusional impression that we are more important than we are.
1: Mm.
0: Have you ever known someone who became a legend in their own minds, so to speak? How many know the world has a way of slapping some sense back into your most high-headed moments? Yep. It happened to me several times. I remember when we went to our very first pastorate in Ozark, Missouri. I was all of 26 years old. And I, one particular Sunday early on going, I poured my very heart into my message. I prayed, I sought the Lord, I, I studied, I prayed the and here I am. Here I am, a senior pastor. And I preached that message and I thought I really rung the bell. I'm a senior pastor and I have enlightened the congregation on the depths of God's holy word. And as they were finding out, a little older lady comes up to me. And she takes my hand and then she pulls me closer and... And she whispers in my ear. And it was a—it was phrased almost like a surprise. When she said, Pastor, that was a fine time. And then she said with a knowing wink, you keep on like that and someday you might just make a preacher. <laughs> Amen. And then there was the time as district directors of church growth and education when we were in the Southern Missouri District office. We were invited to go down to the Yoshi Show. You know where Pastor Ken Robbins and pastors at Abundant Life in Well, There was another pastor there, Bill Nichols, at the time. And we were invited to go down there and preach. And they told us, they said, We're going to make a big announcement in the paper about your coming to be with us. We believe there are going to be visitors there coming to see you. And so I was excited about getting down there on Saturday. We had a workers' training conference the day before. And then we were going to preach the next morning. And I wanted to get a paper and I wanted to look at it. Because we had sent our picture down. We would sent all of our promotional materials. And we opened it up and there was the heading. Reverend Gary Ancrum to be in service at Abundant Life in the Ocean tomorrow. And below it was a picture of a guy that had to be 90 years old. 90 years old. And here I am, what, 28 at the time? 29. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I thought, (laughs) you know, I used to be, uh, it's like the season evangelist said, I know I used to be just unknown, but now I'm internationally unknown. And here's an important question. I don't know if that's me doing the clicking or not uh, uh, on this or whatever. You can turn me down just a little bit if you want to, Freedas, as as well. Here's an all-important question. Does heaven consider you to be a nobody? Does heaven consider you? Who does heaven consider you to be? Now, most of the time, we journey through this life and we just don't have a clue What's really going on, do we? I heard Sister Martha Tennyson say one time, We know what's uh, we know what's happening, but do we really know what's going on? And that's true. That's good. And so we go through life not really knowing what's going on. We see the glitz and the promotion the culture wants us to see. We know the names of those people and companies that uh, fill the limelight, and by hearing their names or seeing their faces. We deem them to be important and by default we consider ourselves and others who aren't in the limelight to be kind of as nobodies. But would we be surprised to hear that some of the wealthiest and most influential people in America, those whose actions have affected our literal everyday lives, that you've probably never even heard of them. Did you know that some of the most powerful companies that operate in America and around the world today, they're conglomerates that don't, they don't have well-known names like Del Monte or Pepsi or Conoco or Bayer. They don't have names like that, but you know what? They own the companies who do have those names. They own those companies and a lot more companies besides And it's just that no one has ever heard of them. Now the same is true in the spiritual realm. Even everyone has heard of names like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or Martin Luther or the Apostle Paul or Dwight L. Moody. But well, would you just indulge me a minute? Would you take a little quiz with me? I want to give you a little quiz to see how you do with these folks. And you, you just, you just uh, keep track of how many of these that you know. Here's a little quiz. Who taught Martin Luther his theology and his, inspired his translation of the New Testament? Who visited Dwight L. Moody in a shoe store And spoke to him about Christ? Who was the wife of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of England of his day? And the answer that doesn't count was Mrs. Spurgeon. Who was the elderly woman who prayed faithfully for Billy Graham for over 20 years? Who financed William Carey's ministry in India? Who refreshed the Apostle Paul in that Roman dungeon as he wrote his last letter to Timothy? Who helped Charles Wesley get underway as a composer of great hymns? Who found the Dead Sea Scrolls? And here's another one. Who were the parents of godly and gifted prophet Daniel? So how did you do? Did anybody get 50%? Did anybody get 25%? Not that good. Well, don't feel bad because it would have ruined the sermon if you had gotten that much. Here's the thing. Had it not been for these unknown people, those nobodies, you might say, we just talked about, a huge part of church history would be missing. And multitudes of lives would have gone untouched and unsaved without these. You know what the problem is? The problem comes in when you and I begin to equate anonymous with unnecessary. Hmm. Or when we say anonymous equals unimportant. And I will tell you today that heaven does not make that distinction. To the contrary, they never make that mistake and neither should we. Not about anybody else, and we shouldn't make that mistake about ourselves either. The Apostle Paul attempts to help us understand that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You need to read the whole chapter sometime and maybe even 13 and 14 as well. Now that scrappy little Apostle, the Apostle Paul... You need to know that he was both a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. He had a very, very unique pedigree. And being a Roman citizen, he was familiar with and had been influenced by what is known as Greek culture, or the Hellenistic culture of the day. And you know what the Greeks were? The Greeks were philosophers. The Greeks were existentialists. That's a big word for saying that they taught the power of the mind and logic and reason and they said, listen, the mind and logic has priority over emotions. And so that's the way the Greeks communicated by March. But Paul was also a Jew. And he was full of emotion and the, the Jewish people, they spoke with Emotion. They spoke with pictures. They spoke in a language that sometimes just paints it so beautifully to us. For example, the Greek mindset or the Western mindset might say, God will provide your need. We can understand that, can't we? But you know how the Jewish people might have said that? They will paint you a picture and instead of saying, God will meet your need or provide your need, They will say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. You see, it's the same message, but it's in picture form. So here Paul is appealing to the logic of the Corinthians, and he is helping to speak their language, but at the same time he can't help but uh, reach for something that his Jewish nature longs to give them, and he reaches for an analogy And that illustration to give a picture of what he wants to say. And that image that he gives is a picture of the human body. And here's what he says. He says, look at your body. Can your foot say to your hand... Now, how many of you know that last time we checked, our feet don't don't talk and our hands don't talk. But he's using picture form to say, listen, can your foot say to your hand... I don't need you. I'm not a part of you. I'm not like you, so I don't really belong to this body. And then he says, Can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you because you're not that important. How far is your head going to get if that's your feet? And he proceeds then in verse 22 to tell us what the Bible tells us in many places that the way the world views reality is often directly the opposite of how heaven views it. It really is. The way this culture in America is viewing the important, the relevant, the meaningful, is exactly opposite of the way God and His kingdom views it. And now catch this magnificent truth. Because it should make all of us anonymous nobodies out there sit up and take notice. Look at verse 24 again. He says in verse 24 that God has put the body together. Which body? The human body, which Paul is comparing with what body? With the spiritual body of the church. He's saying that God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor... And extra care are given to those parts that might otherwise seem less important. How many of you know that would also include those who feel less important than others? (coughs) Would you like an illustrative example? I'll give you a Jewish example today. (laughs) We got up this morning washed our faces, we combed our hair, we brushed our teeth, I hope so, I hope so, I hope so. We dressed our exteriors, but did anyone this morning before you came stop to check your liver? (laughs) Did anyone think about it this morning before you came to church? Last Sunday, when you greeted people in God's house, besides saying things like, your hair looks nice, or I like that, outfit. I like that suit. Did you say anything like, you know, your color really looks good today. Your liver must be (laughs) functioning. Turn to your neighbor and say, would you? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You see, the point is just because it's anonymous, because it's under the radar, doesn't mean it's unnecessary. Or doesn't mean it's unimportant. You talk to doctors, you talk to medical world, and that liver is a very, very important thing you can't do without. Without these parts, the whole body gets crippled. Or it gets paralyzed, or excuse the expression, but it's just plain dead. <coughs> Let's face it, Saints, the head of the body, the one who created it, he's the one that calls the shots, amen? He's the one that tells us what's important and what's not important. doesn't matter what the world says. doesn't matter what culture says. If God says it's important, how many of you know it's important? And He determines who's publicized. He determines also who is hidden. And He chooses some to be publicized, and He chooses some to be hidden. But the glorious truth is heaven is preparing extra honor for those parts that are most hidden life. Providing that we're faithful to function there where he's called us to function for the good of the body. Aren't you thankful for that? You see, if it's God's desire to use you as a Kimball, remember that name, would you? As a Kimball, rather than a Moody, Mm -hmm. then God bless him. Or an Onesiphorus, that's a tough one to say, Rather than a Paul, if he chooses you to be on this safaris, rather than Paul, or if he chooses you to function like an anonymous shepherd boy, yep. then relax and go. With Relax and do God's will. Well, better than that, let's give God praise. Amen. Amen. Because He never makes a mistake. He chooses right. He knows that we're all needed. We're all indispensable. For you're among that elite group that's mentioned in verse 24. And great is your honor. And great is your glory in heaven one day. Because you were faithful. It was Jim Elliott that martyred missionary messenger of the gospel to the Aka Indians years ago. He was asked to explain one time what a missionary was. And you've got to understand, Jim Elliot and his band of believers were killed by a river down in South America trying to reach a remote tribe of the Aka Indians, which later his wife and others reached for the glory of God.
2: But his response
0: sounds shocking when he was asked what a missionary was. I want you to know, brother, I could never say this. But he could, and he earned the right. He said, listen to this. We missionaries are a bunch of nobodies exalting somebody. Think about that. Hallelujah. That's what John the Baptist meant when he said, He must increase, and I must decrease. He comes forward as I go away, as I fade into the periphery. You see, if it weren't for heroic nobodies like pastors, yes, I said pastors, we wouldn't have anointed preaching. Or deacons, we wouldn't have good church leadership. Or if it wasn't for good worship teams, we wouldn't have uplifting worship music. Amen? Amen. If it wasn't for sound people, we wouldn't have decibel levels that we could stand. If it wasn't for children's workers, we wouldn't be able to do anything for the kids when they come into the church. How many of you know all of these are neat If it wasn't for janitors, we wouldn't have a clean church Amen. to come to. How many of you know all these things God uses to work together, to make the body function the way that it needs to function, and to be able to go forward the way it needs to go forward? On and on we could go. Nobody's exalting somebody. But could there be any higher calling than that? Realize this. It's the nobody's that, that glorious somebody chooses so carefully. If I came to every one of you individually, which I won't today, but if I came to you, you could tell me a story of how God sought after you. He, he got your attention. He saved your soul. And He put you on the path to serving Him. You have not chosen me, Jesus said. I have chosen
1: you. Amen.
0: And we can all tell that. And and that's what this glorious somebody does. He chooses us nobodies. So carefully. It takes especially anointed people who can work faithful, faithfully, excitedly, and contentedly out of the limelight while someone else gets the credit. You ought to throw out your chest. You ought to lift up your head and you ought to thank the Lord that you're one of God's nobodies. I know I do. I'm going to give you a story in closing. It's a true story, it's an amazing account. Sister Judy, would you come and begin softly to play that song that we talked about? Jesus, use me. Lord, please don't refuse me. Listen to this. You say, Pastor, I'm only one person. I'm not outgoing. I don't know that many people. I'm really a nobody when it comes to what I can actually do to help the church and help God's kingdom. What can I do? Let me quote President Reagan from a long time ago when he said, there you go again. Listen to what one person did what one person can do. Listen closely to this one and see the connections. In April 1856, Sunday school teacher named Ed Kimball, that's the Kimball name I wanted you to remember, nervously went to a Boston shoe store. Now Ed was hesitant at first, but he felt he should speak to one of his students about faith in Jesus Christ. And when Ed arrived, he found him in the stockroom wrapping up shoes. After a brief conversation, the teacher put his hand on his student's shoulder and and very simply told him how much Christ loved him and that Jesus had died for his sins. That young student received Jesus Christ as his Savior right there in the shoe store. Not long after that, the new Christian, this young man, moved to Chicago where he continued to sell shoes. After observing a needy community, he decided to organize a Sunday school class for the children of the community. This young man's efforts resulted in hundreds of young people coming to Christ. He was soon asked to speak at conventions as an authority on how to build a Sunday school. This huge salesman was Dwight L. Moody, who became a gifted evangelist. Now, if I stopped right there, that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? But it goes on. Moody later went to London, England, where through a series of events, he had a great effect on another Christian by the name of F. B. Meyer. Meyer later recalled his experience with Moody. He says, I owe everything, everything in my life, I think, to that parlor room where for the first time with him, I found people brokenhearted about sin. Meyer, in turn, had a great influence on Robert G. Lee at Furman University and J. Wilbur Chapman in Northfield, Massachusetts. Chapman's anointing and passion to be a personal witness for Jesus affected a man by the name of Billy Sunday who in turn challenged a group of laymen to become witnesses for Jesus Christ in Charlotte, North Carolina. Twenty-nine nine men met to pray for revival in Charlotte. and as a result, an evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham came to Charlotte and began a citywide evangelistic crusade in 1934. One night, a 16 year old boy received Jesus Christ. That boy's name was Billy Graham. Almost 80 years before the conversion of Graham, a nervous, humble Sunday school teacher actively demonstrated his concern for the salvation of one of his students. How different our history would have been if Ed Kimball had decided not to go to that Boston cheese store that day. The Lord wants his somebody, and I'm going to tell you, you are a somebody in God. He wants his somebodies to step forward and fulfill your function. Not only as God has called you to in His great kingdom, but as God has called you to in this church as well. And you'll find and discover in the leadership of your new pastors that there will be opportunities and things that God will speak to you and others about. To come forward and to be somebody's for God. Heaven knows that you're indispensable, every one of us. God will grant you extra honor and extra power to reach out to people. Amen. He'll get, grant you extra honor and extra ability to do what you feel like you can't do for the glory of God. And all I say to you is Linda and I depart for a few weeks before we come out to see it, Let's do it. Let's do it. Who will commit to be a nobody? In God's kingdom is resulted in somebody. Heavenly Father, I just pray today for this church. Lord, there's a stepping off place right now, God, that's new and fresh and alive. And God, there's a small congregation here, Lord, that's going to get behind their new pastors. And they're going to begin to affect this community for Jesus. Lord, we're going to do it behind the scenes. We're going to do it out in public. We're going to do it wherever. You call us to do it. And however you do, Lord, you call us. Because the giftings and the abilities do not come in our abilities. It comes in your anointing. And in your gifting. And I pray today that you will bless this church as it goes forward for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Stand with me this morning. Let's sing this, chorus one time through, and then I have one other thing I want to sing together. If you know this, sing it. It was written by the Assemblies of God man down in the Blue Hill of Missouri, and I heard him sing this one time. You'll know the song. Will Jesus, Jesus and all oh, God Lord don't Just make a hedge around them today. Stand out in the middle. this. right out there in the middle. Right out there where you're vulnerable to all your people. That's, that's God. That's God. Let's get around, let's ask God to touch and anoint today. Hallelujah. Father, we just come right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, and we thank you today, God, for this couple there, Lord, that you have chosen to lead this church forward, Lord. God, with all of the anointing and strength, dear God, we commend them, Lord, to this Word, dear Lord. We pray, dear God, today that You will lift them, God, to do those mighty things, to sit in heavenly places with You in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, and give them vision, God. Give them uh, plans, give them desires. Uh, and God, give them uh, connections, Lord, in this community, Lord, that they'll be able to take this church forward for the glory of God. Lord, help them to know, God, that this church is behind them in all of their endeavors and in all of their efforts, God. And Lord, uh, as they call upon members of this church uh, to help and to to come forward in places near God, to help and to aid and to to strengthen, Lord, and to secure, I pray dear Lord, that you will let them know that we're going to say yes. Hallelujah. We're going to do that for the glory of God. We praise you and we thank you, Lord, for it's in Jesus' mighty name we ask it. Amen. 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 Brother Wilson, greet this congregation and tell them whatever you need to tell them before we are dismissed. Amen. Amen.
1: Elizabeth was going through my mind. And I don't always say a lot of this kind of stuff. It in 1978. I'd already been preaching for a while. I was ordained. To... I could go to But. I remember that ordination service,
2: Charles Greenwood, mm-hmm.
1: and I thought, wow, God, you're doing something. God, you doing something. Fast forward quite a few years. who really are so
2: We've Amen. all got a work that we yeah. can do. We just have um, ourselves and, and pray. Ask yeah. God Ask God where He wants you to from. Where He wants you from. Want want There's somebody out there that needs
0: to You've got to spread the word about your new pastors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. coming and seeing yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> said, just get on fire. Yeah. People are going to watch you
2: burn church class uh, <laughs> people do that all the time y'all remember you all remember when I had two prayer um, requests that were actually living here. Um, um, one of them was, the of was sexual, like I signed off mm-hmm. with the Lord because he was on his family. I don't didn't understand how uh, he can do that. He didn't see if he had a new job, a better job than what I could do for just a minute. together. Yeah.